Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Kyle Timberlake. I'm Tyler Schultz. And I am Jeremy Duvall. Welcome. I am excited to have Tyler and Kyle for our Firefight Triad episode where we're going to be going through all things super hot sexy space elves uh that's debatable if they're pot and or yeah. sexy well uh, uh, super, <laughs> uh we're, we're too cool for you to even show up on the battlefield we're just gonna send our robots Asterians. i'll allow that i'll allow it so you'll allow it yeah too too cool for school is pretty, pretty <laughs> too cool for school i think just a Smoking little bit you know the bathroom instead of being exactly S- sending robots having their mai tais by the pool you know don't go go don't go to that planet it's bad over there okay humans uh, we're going to be doing a, a firefight faction review for Asterians. Really excited. This is definitely up there for me. Is uh, I think the the cooler factions has some really interesting game mechanics. So we're going to be going over units. We're going to be talking some strategies. We also have a couple different lists at different point values to go over. So it's going to be a jam packed, awesome show. But before we get started, let's do a little hobby update. Um, Kyle, what have you been up to besides? Okay. We just had Bay of Kings, and the Friday night before Bay of Kings, it's like let's play some Dead Zone. So I'm like, oh yeah, I got I got my Forge Fathers freshly you know painted from last year's Adepticon. Yeah, and uh, we were talking about playing Dead Zone, and and Kyle was like, uh, what do you want to play against? And I was like, oh well, I, I mean I'll play my Forge Fathers with Iron Ancestors against those Enforcers. And Kyle, Kyle was like, I have jet bikes with missile launchers, and I was like, oh don't worry, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. And it wasn't fine. So I had one good roll, and I sent a picture <laughs> to Tyler of yeah. like what happens when you roll eights, and literally in twenty minutes, my whole army was dead. Yeah. <laughs> it was all downhill from there. It was. <laughs> but what have you been up to, hobby wise? Uh, I'm in the middle of painting up a full enforcer army for um, firefight. I've had it built for a while, but I've got the uh, my mojo down for that, and it's kind of one of those I can get a full army out quick paint jobs. Um, so getting that done, uh, I had Rashad over yesterday and we were painting up a bunch of dead zone turn, uh, terrain for the tournament holding next uh, Sunday. If you happen to be listening to this in time, uh, the mini mini wars convention in Buena park, uh, in Southern California, Saturday, Kings of war tournament I'm hosting. And then Sunday dead zone tournament. Uh, so I'm pretty busy with that. And then, uh, I'm in the finals for the surge and destroy league. I just beat Anthony in the semifinals. So let's see if I can make it uh, three times. Nice. Three so times, who, sad champion. The saddest is, of champions. Do you know who you have to play in the final? Uh, no, it's uh, it'll be Beave or uh, William Stillwell. I don't think okay. they, had their, they had their match yet. So it will either be the falling down list or yeah. the Beave. <laughs> yeah, that, that list was like, it was like six hordes of uh, Guardian Archers. Mm-hmm. Rough. <laughs> yeah, this is a local player. We have Tyler who normally takes hordes of... Uh, undead infantry because he has like a halfling painted undead army and he just like uh, uh he had his falling down moment and now has a list that's like all uh eod shooting yeah that that can be surprisingly effective 
Oh yeah, you go. That's the thing with shooting, right? Is uh, it's like a George Foreman, like a puncher's chance. Anyone yeah. can play that list, and you have a chance to win. But as a super slow dwarf slogging across the table, it's uh, it could be extra rough. <laughs> well, that's cool that you guys have some stuff coming up this weekend. That's going to be a blast. Uh, this episode may or may not uh, be in time to take part in that. If not, then you just know when to get into the DeLorean and when to head back so that you can play in Kyle's event. So, what about you, Tyler? What have you been up to hobby wise? Uh, yeah, I've been actually doing a whole bunch of hobby, but I got to keep it on the DL. So a lot of that's secret. I'm not ready to reveal quite what I'm working on yet. So I've been doing a lot of actual hobby work doing that. Uh, but I've actually had a pretty good amount of time getting to play some games lately um, of all kinds of different varieties. Um, a guy you just met because he was just out there in California, Jordan. Uh, I've been playing with him and I've been sinking my hooks into <laughs> all the various Mantic games and he's kind of taken the bait on all of them. So uh, he's he started off with Dead Zone. We've been playing that fairly recent, uh, fairly frequently, and then um, he's gotten into Armada. We've played a game of Firefight now. I've had him play Kings of War, uh, and so I've been able to get some some pretty regular games in. And then in, in addition to that, I've uh, also got a new video on the channel for the new book. So for the new Firefight Command Protocols book, we finally uh, got it all ready on the table, and Tim and I got to play a sweet game of Annihilation. So check that video out because that was super fun. If you're even just curious of how the, the new book plays, there's a lot of stuff that comes up in that game that's just from the, the new rules refresh. Uh, a lot of that stuff shows up, and then obviously just being an Annihilation style game is exclusive to this book and so it's just super fun so i've been actually playing quite a bit and then yeah hobbying a lot but again like i said i can't reveal all that yet super top secret hobby. That's super top secret mm -hmm. hobby guy yeah but it was cool as you mentioned um i got to hang out with the nichols brothers derek and jordan uh derek is in sacramento close to me and jordan's in colorado near tyler and they were both down here and uh Derek and I are going to start playing. He, we, we, we're about a half an hour from a game store right in the middle. Like there's a game store right a half an hour from his house and a half an hour from my house. So I got to do some Kings of War actually in person yesterday, which was super fun. I brought my base aliens and my undead. Uh, they played undead and I played my base aliens and we had a really fun demo game. Super fun. Great to try to get some more local people into the scene. Uh, both really in interested in the hobby side, which is, you know, a way to my heart, loving hobbies. So it was great to try to grow the community here in California. And then it's just interesting how there's like all these little nex nexuses of players. So where you can have someone travel from Denver to California and immediately know, oh, you got to talk to this guy or you got to talk to this guy. Oh, oh, how far are you from Denver? How far are you from Colorado Springs or whatever. It's it's cool that no matter where you go in the country, the scene has gotten at least a big enough point that no matter where you go, there's at least one one person you can hook someone up with the game. Yeah, and that's that's one of the other benefits of going to tournaments in general is you get to know all these people from all around the country. So I'm like, oh, you're going to California, you should hit up Jeremy, or you know, you might be in the right area. I'm like, what do you know? He is. Yeah, building those relationships, which is cool. Next weekend for me, I'm, I'm not going to be able to go to Kyle's thing because I'm going with the Reno guys to a, a tournament. You know, uh, Tyler, the Refugees of the Old World. In, oh, yeah, that's uh, a good time. Yeah. In the, in the hot, middle of absolute nowhere. Yeah, in a hot Froyo nightclub action, Mormon town. 
So that's going to be pretty fun. Going to be heading to Reno, and then we're driving in uh, Nick's dad's uh, Nick's dad van. So I got to be there super early, but then I can fall asleep in the van. So that should be pretty fun. I didn't go to refugees last year, but I did go the year before when Tyler and Garrett came, and we all had a really good time. So I'm looking forward to that. My my main hobby thing is I have finally stepped into being uncomfortable and over the last couple of weekends i've been trying to learn how to use my airbrush so that's been a really fun experience ah how's how's that been going that's, that's so one I, leap that i've never made i've never oh like, man jumped into it i can already tell in this sort of early stage it is a game changer so i started just doing some xenophil priming so for those who don't know Xenophil priming is a way to sort of capture some shadows before you start painting where you prime it black at like a slight angle, you do gray. And then from the top down, you do like white and it helps guide you as to where shadows are. And then I was like, well, I, I'm, I'm painting some phantoms for my twilight can. And I was like, well, maybe I can just like throw down the first couple of blends and highlight colors with the actual airbrush itself. So I did that this morning and I got to, in a morning, what normally would have taken me a week and a half to do, probably. And then now I go in with a brush and still do all the, you know, detail work and stuff like that. So for someone who is so slow at painting... Say, I, that's, that's a you thing, but still, I'm sure it sped up the process. Oh, yeah. For me. I mean, <laughs> I'm really slow. So I'm not saying that this is going to do for everyone what it's doing for me. I'm just saying, for the way that I paint, it's going to help me get through some stages quicker so that you know, maybe I can finish an army in a year and not, uh, and not forever be going to tournaments with an army that I painted three years ago. So that is my goal. Nice. Well, keep us updated on how the airbrushing goes. Cause... And then also what I'm excited about is most of, they say, especially with vehicle painting and airbrush is really good. So I know when I, once I get some of this twilight can stuff done, I'm going to be working on firefight. So I'm hoping by then I'll have, I'll have really mastered the airbrush so I can do some really cool vehicle airbrush. Damn it. Or I really want to like do, do my firefight army to a super high level. So I'm kind of like using, learning the airbrush now and then hoping to really utilize it when I get to my firefight army. Firefight Army as in Asterians? You going back to them? Or no, I mean I still want to do I still want to do the cover girls, the maybe it's Maybelline, GCPS Army, but Oh yeah, know. that's right. That's right. I have such uh army ADD by the time that we're done with this episode talking about all awesome Asterian things. Who knows? Maybe I'll be back on the Asterian train. I, I don't know. Just try to live in the moment, right, fellas? And just Where, be, wherever you know, the wind may take you. I just like I want all the armies, really. That's the problem. Is I want. Are you a wargamer if you don't want all the armies, or at least most of the armies? Right. Well, I, that's just a part of it, right? You see, it's just like ooh, ooh. It's like the shiny. It's the forever meme of you walking with the girl and you look backwards <laughs> at the other girl passing you. You know what I mean? It's like any other army is that girl walking past you. So, really excited to talk about Asterians today. First thing, we're gonna get into their background. The most technologically advanced and sophisticated race in the known universe, Asteria knows only too well the danger inherent in economic and military might. Wisdom earned at great cost through painful past lessons has made Asteria cautious. 
Its reluctance to overuse its power is perhaps the only thing that has so far saved the human race from being wiped out entirely. Times are changing, though. Asterian society is dedicated to unity, a sensitivity to patterns of energy that underpin all life in the universe and to maintain the balance between life and death. But as the galaxy grows more dangerous and as news of atrocities and calamities reaches Asteria from its network of spies, Asterians are becoming divided. There are still those that urge caution and warn against risking much and gaining nothing. But those who counsel that war is inevitable, that the balance has already been pushed too far to be neglected any further, are gaining in strength. So what do we think about the Asterians background. Um, I know that it's a little bit of that sort of ancient super technological space elf, but I mean, there are some differences. Tyler, you want to go first and sort of talking a little bit about how Mantic has taken some familiar of, of that sort of ancient space race, but how Asterians are a little different from that and unique in their own way. Sure. I think it's really cool that they really focus on the balance of things. So whatever you, they might be doing it might come across as either really good or really evil but at the end of the day they just do whatever it takes to get things back to neutral on the balance thing uh so it's it's kind of like kind of like forces of nature in uh kings of war in the fact that like you know if there's a lot of evil stuff going down or perceived evil things if something's encroaching a little bit too much somewhere they're going to go and try to figure it out and then you know they're okay with leaving stuff alone when they need to so i think it's kind of a fun balancing act pun fully intended uh with with them and i think it's uh i think that's kind of what's interesting too and then obviously the fact that they use constructs is is pretty different from a lot of other sci-fi things the fact that everybody gets plugged into um various different constructs and then depending on the quality of the construct is how many guys are in charge of it i think that's a pretty neat little aspect too so one guy could be controlling a whole bunch of marionettes but then you know, each cipher is going to be one dude behind the wheel. So it's, it's a pretty interesting, like, combination of ideas. And I think it all comes together pretty well to make the Asterian lore work. I mean, because that's one really unique thing, right? In general, most of the combat units on the battlefield are drones, right? Being controlled by Asterians at a command ship. So the actual Asterians on the battlefield... It's like they're not even good. They're not going to risk their life for anything, you know, because they're too important. So they'll just send robots. Yeah, it's like a work smarter, not harder kind of thing. <laughs> you know, why why go take the bullet yourself if you can have a robot do it for you? But where's the honor in that, you know? <laughs> well, the honor comes from all the Matsudon. Mat Matsudon are great honor. <laughs> they bring the great honor. Ten times more honor than anyone else. Bet. <laughs> uh and then I, 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 so I think it's interesting. So you sort of have this, and I don't know, I'm for one, I think sometimes people, you call them tropes or you call them whatever. I think there's certain elements that are just cool. So an ancient mysterious space alien race, that's cool. I mean, I like eating hamburgers. Hamburgers is like been around forever. You know what I mean? And there's a reason why, because they're good. So I'm not inherently against like, 
what what I guess what you would consider as storyline tropes if they're done well. Uh, it's just like an old familiar friend that's cool for a reason. I mean, depends on your yeah. definition of cool. There's also, you know, some rumors that Asterians might be the ones who have unleashed the plague on everybody. You know, that's not verified, but it is out there. That, that might be a thing. I believe it. <laughs> yeah, because basically, so the Asterians have what they call the silent lands, right? Is that what you're talking about? So basically there's a, 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 a place, as I understand it, and tell me if I'm wrong, a place that used to be part of their empire that now is taken over by some like bio, like the plague basically. Yeah. I, I don't remember exactly where in the lore it is, but basically there's, there's some theory that, that maybe the GCPS and humans are getting out of control and so to bring balance to the universe, they, they may or may not have like dug up some ancient plague stuff for humans to stumble on. And then plague obviously work really well at like taking over humans and messing them up. So it might be a whole big psyop to, <laughs> to ruin the GCPS. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's a theory. You know, I can't confirm nor deny. I'm not an Assyrian. So the scales, the scales sure. must be balanced. So Exactly. Balance at all costs, baby. And one thing I like about the Asterians too is I think the Kalishi are really interesting as warriors, but also there's just like a little bit in the army book that talks about like during, not during wartime, they travel around as like performance artists, like doing musicals and like doing like, like Circus Soleil dancing while operating as Asterian spies in the background. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, they do stuff like that. And then there's like the old Dreadball team and, you know, that kind of stuff like They've they've been around. They've 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 done some cool stuff. So we've talked to just a smidge about their lore. Definitely check out the lore sections in in uh, the books. I think it is a pretty cool faction. We you know what I like to do often with army reviews is we talk about sort of the elevator pitch, right? And Nick Brooks asked that question too. What if you're you know we're stuck in an elevator? What is your pitch of why why would you suggest someone play Asterians? Do you like elves? Do you like space elves? Do you like sending minions to go do your bidding? And do you like shooting better than everyone else? And do you like getting hit and not taking damage for it? <laughs> Would be my pitch. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty close. Basically, do you like robots and do you like actually hitting the dice that you roll? <laughs> like that's that's most of it. In addition to that, uh, so if you like what you hear from the lore and you like the way that the models look, which I always think is the most important thing, if you like the way the models look that's the one you should pick. Um, but in terms of like why you should play Asterians, great shoot stats. I think they do a really neat thing with the shields mechanic. It's kind of a mini game within the game. That's super fun to play. And uh, yeah, they're kind of the, the finesse elite fun, high value shooting uh, faction. And that, that's pretty rad. Yeah, I definitely love if you're, if you're a fan of the, even I think if you're a fan of the, giant space robots i mean these aren't like giant robots but if you like that mecha anime robot e sort of type feel i think you'd probably dig this army and, and you want to shoot people and and shields for those who are, are newer to asterians basically shields is a defensive mechanic that asterians have where you have a certain amount of shields that when you're hit with shots 
the shields absorb them, but it doesn't matter what the shots are, right? So there's certain strategies on how you may want to use lesser weapons to get through shields as opposed to using your big weapons. But what do we think about shields in general? Is it a cool mechanic? Is it fun to, to, to track as you're playing? Is it sort of like a pain to keep track of everything? Or just in general, do we, do we like the shields mechanic? Yeah, it makes I, the army way different. Like it's just playing Assyrians and playing against Assyrians is a different uh, type of game. And the shield mechanic is a big reason for it. Yeah, that's actually one of my favorite things about the new book is I feel like the the rules committee and everyone has figured out a really cool way to make every faction a little bit more durable, but in different manners. So um, for the Asterians, yeah, they, they have the shield mechanic that keeps them alive. And then, you know, for Plague, they have the regen that keeps them alive. And for, like, uh forge fathers they have heavy armor for enforcers they have two hp on a lot of stuff like i just think it's really cool that there's different ways to make things uh durable and i think the shield mechanic is is really interesting and really fun uh both as you know the guy operating the, the shields mechanic or fighting against it like kyle said it's like a different puzzle box you have to figure out each time and that was one of the f- feedback from first edition second edition right was that maybe things died a little too easy and that's where we see as you mentioned tyler some some interesting ways to maybe give people more survivability but give the different armies different things i think we've talked a lot about in regular countercharge episodes about kings of war 2.0 of trying to have the factions have unique flavorful styles and as uh, really happy to announce that our own Kyle Timberlake is now officially on the firefight rules committee. So congratulations, Kyle. Thank you. Uh, I can't Woo. wait uh, to make Forge Flowers the best army in the game. Uh-huh. Yeah. All just the other know, armies yeah. will be appropriately leveled to way below Forge Fathers. And uh, every Steel Warrior will cost three points. Nice. So is that something that like you guys are thinking about on the, the firefight RC as well is not only looking at balance, but also continuing a goal to try to make the armies play uniquely. And especially in firefight where we don't have as many factions in Kings, trying to think about ways to make them uh, feel different, be, be creatively different from each other. Yeah. I don't think necessarily we're trying to make every army be a play uniquely it's one of those things you start adding too many special rules and too many different variables for every army it kind of takes the viewpoint or the the direction we want to take firefight in but definitely we want armies to feel unique and like you you know you pick up a fire forge farther army yeah like the basic rules are the same but you can feel the difference in uh how a steel warrior basic troop works versus like a gcps marine yeah um and uh, and i think with with this update there weren't a lot of huge changes to the armies besides like basic balance stuff, but like enforcers getting two wounds, forge fathers getting heavy armor. Um, a lot of things like that really helped change how the armies worked. Uh, and actually one of my favorite changes, and it just one of those things I have to take every time is GCPS Lieutenant getting, uh, can get nine Marines with them. So you can have a full squad leader at the front, just <laughs> blasting laser <laughs> file, you know, so small uh, things like that just to kind of make, uh, every army uh, distinctive and it's like this this is why I picked this but not so complex or so many different small rules that were uh, uh, it's it's hard to learn the game or it's hard to get into it yes finding that sweet spot right we've talked a yeah. lot to, about that a lot lately right yeah 
finding that balance between easy to play, but also creative difference. So, well, that's cool, man. Congratulations again on being on the RC. I know you've been a big proponent and champion. I always call Kyle. He's like the guy on the street who opens up his trench coat and it's full of all these different Manta games. And he's like, what do you want to play guy? You want to play a little Armada? I got this. Hey, you want to play a little firefight? I got you. So I know you've been a big proponent of Dead Zone and now Firefight, so all the Warpath universe. So, and I, you know, I know maybe not as much in Firefight, but it seems like in Southern California that there is a little Dead Zone community growing. Yeah, yeah, and, and definitely the plan is you know start them on Dead Zone and then uh, you know sell them on Firefight, which they're already getting interested in Firefight. <laughs> and so I know in Reno they're starting to play some Firefight too. So they're playing a I, lot of Firefight in Reno, so yeah. it seems like that's picking up uh, pretty good there too. So we might actually be close to getting Tyler down here for uh, our first West Coast firefight tournament here, maybe in 2024. So I know that's, yeah, I know that's our goal is to try to get that going. So, well, let's start first with the Asterians. How we're going to break it down is that we're going to look at the army through a couple of different lenses. First off, we're going to start with some of the faction orders. Uh, just so these are your your faction orders that you can do with Assyrians. Then we're going to take a look a little bit. We, we're not going to cover every single unit entry, but we are going to take a look at the list sort of through the lens of unit type. So we had uh, some great questions from you guys around what do you take? How much of something do you take? So we'll take a little bit. We'll We'll look at troops. We'll look at specialists. We'll look at support. We'll look at command and kind of think about what are some of our choices, what units sort of match up against each other, or what unit may you want to take if you're trying to spend less points, or what may be a good option if you want to be more elite. Uh, and then we'll sort of, at the end of the show, we're going to share a couple of lists. I have a list, uh, Kyle has a list, and Tyler has a wacky annihilation list. So we are going to show you maybe a couple of different ways to look at it. And again, there's so many ways to build the list. So we're just going to give you maybe a couple starting points to look at. So first off, let's talk about the faction orders. So I'm going to go through them really quickly, and then I'm going to pick your guys' immense intellects as to what jumps off at you. So the faction orders is we have Energize. So we have Energize. Energize is an order that you can replenish one shield previously lost on a, a unit that has shields or you can boost it and you get three shields back instead of one uh no charger that's our trademark weapons order so basically all our trademark weapons can get one extra dice during a shoot or steady aim actions you can boost it uh and then uh, they can get an extra ap1 uh, we have reposition which is this is a fun one units with the construct are walker keywords when they perform an advance action, the unit gets the teleport keyword. And for plus one, when performing a sprint action, the unit gains the teleport keyword. So a way to kind of do some uh, 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 teleport, you know, moving your big stuff around. Power diverters, this unit uh, can lose one shield it currently has to gain an additional six inches range to all its ranged weapons or gain one AP. You can boost that to lose two shields and gain one AP and nine inches. So it's like, Scotty, I need more phaser. I need more phaser power. We have remote robotic reconstruction units with the constructor vehicle keyword. The unit recovers one HP, and for boost it, it recovers two HP. And then the final 
Asterian faction order is precision designs, which is another one to our trademark weapons. And that's just a nice, simple one command point add six inches to your range. So Tyler, let's start with you first. What jumps out at you on these sort of new refreshed Asterian faction orders? Anything? Uh, I think the probably the, the most challenging and best change is the fact that you can't spam the same order anymore. And that's a book-wide change, so that's not just for Asterians. But you can't um, you know, do the exact same order over and over and over. So it really does make you have to really think about which units you want to boost the shields to or which units you want to boost the range to. Um, and I think it's it's... It's really fun because a lot of these can be used on a lot of different kind of units. There's a lot of other factions in here where I it seems like there's only a few units who really benefit from the faction orders. Whereas Asterians, I feel like, benefit, you know, almost every unit is going to get something out of these. Um, especially of the, the straight-up Asterian kind of stuff. Uh, my favorite order in here is probably... Energize still. I think Energize is just such a quality order. To be able to to boost that and replenish three shields is super, super valuable. Especially because the way Asterians play, it forces your opponent to have to make certain decisions. And then for you to be able to be like, well, those really great decisions you just made, eh, I'm just going to replenish the shields and now you got to do it all over again. I, I, I absolutely love that. And then I think it's really interesting that there's uh, multiple orders in here that boost the range of things. So it really makes you want to play like really smart with how far back your guys are positioned where it looks like you might be out of range and then you pop an order and all of a sudden you're hitting stuff that you that your opponent didn't think you could hit because you have that extra little chunk of range yeah what do you think kyle i mean i'm a big fan of just uh the shield one not being the one you always take you know in the in the first iteration of this uh edition um energize was pretty much the one you'd always plan on doing and uh, the game played a lot around you know letting a, a unit ablated shields enough to then use the energized order to put them all back in and then kind of keep going from there uh but having all these options to boost and increase things and teleport it just it's like a, a toolbox of useful stuff and that's it and it's one of those finesse armor i think it leans into that like if you use your orders correctly if you use your things in the right order uh, you're going to see a huge benefit from it. So there's no longer a, I'm going to take this one order over and over and over again. It's like, how how am I gonna best going to use this? Like, for instance, uh, the power diverters, I think is really interesting because you have a lot of, as we'll get to later, um, command orders that replenish shields, let you use your uh, shield generators. So when do you use that to get a huge boost to your shooting and then replenish that, that step, the uh, shields, to uh, not be so uh, vulnerable after you do that is uh, really fun. Yeah, it seemed in playing Asterians previously, a lot of your orders were around, like what you said, of just hyper min-maxing your shield distribution, as in really trying to time it. So as soon as a unit got to zero shields, you're using the order to bring them back to full shields. And that really became a big thing that you were trying to think about. In this new list, it seems like shield control and shield management is still important, right, guys? But you also have other orders that you can be thinking about doing other things as well. It's just not the only thing you're focused on. Yeah, I think you're you're leaning more on your commander auras to replenish your shields now. Okay. Uh, which gives you more ability to use your units uh, to their full effect. Also, you know, something that's kind of kind of book wide, but um, this is 
it's it's nicely showcased in the Asterians is uh, trademark weapons on your basic units can really get some serious boosts by by doing the faction orders. So yeah, the, the trademark change where your basic troops have the trademark weapons and then the fact that you can boost them up and in this case you can do you can add range, you can add more dice, you can add AP just depending on how much you want to spend and which units you want to spend it on. Um, I think it really makes a lot of the base troops a lot more viable too. And what I love, and you guys are going to see it in my list, I'm a big Black Talons fan, and they have their Talon rifle is also trademark, and it's already better. So I think you can do some things in Asterians around really maximizing your trademark weapon damage. Yeah, Black Talon bombs are a thing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that's kind of the, the vibe I go for. We'll t- and we'll talk more about it later, the, the vibe I go for my list. But I just think that the idea of the trademark weapon was a cool mechanic to add. It fits with the whole, you know, Amazon in space or whatever, super industrialized, like, you know, brought to you by. Uh, I just I think it's a cool, a cool mechanic. OK, so let's talk about troops first. Uh, there's a few troop options. So for troops. I'm just going to go through them really quickly, just name them all, and then we'll talk a little bit about what we like. You can either take marionettes, cipher wardens, ciphers, uh, or Kalishi, and then they do have a, a transport option. But where are you guys? So marionettes, you know, there are tr- are super cheap, right? The cheapest version of interest, uh, infantry cipher wardens and ciphers are a little better, right? We have a, a close combat, a little bit more fighty version, and then a shooty version. Is there something that jumps out at you guys as far as troop choices for Asterians that you really like? Well, I think the biggest thing is that the ciphers hit on threes. They shoot on three. Uh, the ciphers shoot on threes, which is extremely rare in the game if and especially for a troop you just don't see that and actually i don't know i can't guarantee off the top of my head but i'm pretty sure staring is the only ones that base level hit on threes for shooting um mm-hmm. yeah so that sounds it, right to me i can't think of anything else that does yeah uh i think the marionettes are kind of like your fill-in guys the ciphers are the uh you know big expensive shields and all the cool stuff like that ciphers are kind of like your basic troop um the biggest thing though is that they can't be pinned because of construct and so the marionettes just sit in the back uh they're great objective holders i like giving them a sniper rifle you can keep them cheap and simple and they do their job yeah i tend if you are going to take marionettes which is the cheaper version so they come their base is 60 points and then you can add uh, you can add more you know, make it a bigger squad if you want is they can take a snapper sniper rifle for 10 points. So I tend to run these guys in smaller groups with just to just maximize the amount of sniper rifles I can get with them just to give me, give you some options to, you know, take out those, uh, take out those special weapons and other guys. And they do have the special rule construct. Yeah. While we're talking about marionettes, I think that is definitely one way to run a squad. And then the other way you run the squad is the complete opposite. So you either take, you know, bare minimum, but with the sniper rifle, or you take full maxed, you know, you have 10 marionettes and then throw on the extra shooting. And then all those things have trademark weapons. And then you can really try to hammer home with other stuff. Go for like um, weight of dice with that. With yeah. That and and because they're cheap dice. enough, that's it's not a huge like sacrifice in terms of your list. But it is another way to go. I think it's it's interesting because everything, especially in the Asterian troops, is viable. Like Kalishi are insanely good at, at fighting, you know, yeah. just like just like 
uh, ciphers are amazing at shooting. The Kalishi have the three plus fight stat, so like that's pretty dang incredible. And they come in at AP one, so throw those guys in a transport, and man, they are off to the races. They will slice and dice up anything you can. Like obviously, they are fairly squishy though. Um, you know, armor five is fine. They do have stealthy, which is nice, but you know they are vulnerable to getting shot because they're so scary. Like uh, if I'm fighting against Kalishi, you bet I'm going to be targeting this Kalishi because yeah. you know three 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 up fight is uh, and three dice is super scary. So I'll do anything I can do to wipe them off the face of the earth. Yeah, and I think some of these are points, right? Where do you want to spend? Where where do you want to spend uh, your points? Like if you're taking that full ten squad marionette unit with no frills right just trademark weapons you're at 110 points so i guess if you're wanting cheap bodies right that's a way that you can go or if you want to go for a little bit better the ciphers which ciphers are interesting because you you know you can give them a, a fission beamer you can give them a light missile launcher if you guys are running ciphers which are you know a little bit more expensive they start off at 65 points as opposed to 60 for marionettes but they are shooting on threes what type of weapons do you like to to run with the ciphers similar to conversation to the marionettes i think if you're going to run a special weapon you probably want to keep the squad pretty small and if you don't run a special weapon you just want to be like an anti-infantry firing battery you're going to take maximum guys and then you try to just shoot stuff off you know um, yeah. maybe even add a force rifle and get an additional four dice in there. The ciphers themselves work extremely well with the no charger faction order, you know, because it, it gives them that plus one dice because they're, they're going to be a small squad. The maximum dice you can have in that squad is, is six dudes before you add special weapons. And so if you can do the plus one dice, you know, or you boost it and give them AP one as well, that's when you get really scary, I think, is, is when you when you play with a no charger with the stifers. In terms of the special weapons, obviously the fission beamer is expensive at 30 points, but man, like three dice, AP three with targeting system, so it can shoot other stuff. And then you're also hitting on threes, like that's a pretty reliable anti-tank weapon. Yeah, and with being AP three and anti-tank, it ignores heavy armor and it ignores uh, resilient. So whatever wounds is doing, it's it's going through. Yeah, and if you're looking at the ciphers versus the marionette, so if you're taking just for like the weight of dice and you want to use the the you know your trademark weapons, 110 points, right? You get your full squad of marionettes. Uh, 125 points, you're getting your full squad of ciphers. And granted, they're only you're only going to have six guys as opposed to ten, but all of a sudden you're looking at instead of 20 shots shooting on fives, you have 12 shots shooting on threes but also a way to like up you know if you do want a bonus for that um that extra uh, armor piercing so a, a little bit more different style of a unit but both i think you could both sort of go that that route of trying to maximize the trademark weapons that's what you're sort of uh thinking about tyler when you're looking at these two units yeah i do think if you take the ciphers that you should definitely take the shield generator with them you're already spending the points on ciphers. You might as well throw that five points on there and then hopefully get some shields back each round. And just as a quick reminder, shield generator is at the end of the um, round. Anyone who's lost shields, so uh, for example, the ciphers have shield four. Say you lost three of those shields that round, you get to roll three dice and on a six plus, for each six plus, you'll get one shield back. And that's like the best five points you can spend because sometimes you're going to yes. like that and you're going to be 
you're going to be laughing. You're, you're going to be great. Other times you'll spend the five points and nothing will happen. But hey, it's five points. And I think it's I don't think there's a much better five points to be spent in the list. And ciphers also come with advanced training, which is nice, right? Controlled fire, evade. So they do have a little bit more special rules going for them than the marionettes. But are yeah. you guys for, you know, a few different units can take those shield generators. What What's our thoughts? Is that a take it when you can because it's only five points? Is it only good on specific things or... How do we feel about the the five point shield generator drone? I think you take it when you can. It's it's the ability to pay itself off is so high. Yeah, um, and it's it's also one of those things that give you a special weapon and you have a shield generator and somebody shoots you with a sniper rifle. Oftentimes they'll they'll choose to kill the uh, shield generator, so it's, it's almost like an ablative wounds against those type of weapons. Piece of choice, I guess you're saying, is do I want to shoot you and take out something else, or am I sick and tired of you regenerating your shields yeah. every turn? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, if you think about it just in terms of like economy, right? If you have the energize faction order, you have to spend, you know, one like actual command dice to get one shield back, or you spend two and then you get three shields back versus you spend five points and you might get lucky and you might just you know get all four of them back so i feel like the value is totally there for for shield drum or yeah the shield generators i don't know if it's necessary on every single item but i think on key units that you really want to stay alive i think it's worth the, the investment worth the fight and sometimes in in firefight i notice maybe you have five or 10 points left at the end of the, your list building too. So it is something that you can always go back. If you have those extra points, it's a really effective way to spend those extra points off. I would imagine. Yeah. I'm also curious what you guys think about the cypher wardens. I've tried them in the past and like, they're pretty fun, but I don't know if they're the greatest because they shoot on a four up and they also assault on a four up, which is kind of cool. They're still ciphers, so they still have the shields and all the other special rules and stuff. But, like, there's no AP on their guns. You can't trademark boost them with all the cool orders. And they're only range 9 on the shoots. So, I don't know. How do you guys feel about those? Like, it's it's like this weird not combat, like, Kalishi and not shooty, like, ciphers. And not really cheap, like, marionettes. So, I, I feel like they always kind of fall in a weird area. But I think they're... I think they're like decent, but not great. I don't know what, what do you guys think on that? For me, I don't think you build around them. Um, I like taking a unit of them. It's kind of one of those people look at ciphers and go, I need to deal with that unit. They look at wardens and go, eh, maybe not. So it's like one of those bully units where it's not going to take down by itself any a dedicated assault unit. But at the same time, if it gets in range of assaulting uh, a standard troop unit in most armies, it can take it out easily. And it, it has shields. It is a bit cheaper, so especially bigger squads, you'll see a different, a significant points uh, difference. And they can be good objectives. You know, throw it on an objective that's contested, or you know, like maybe this unit will die. They are better in close combats. So they get assaulted. They have counter charge. They're still just as tough as uh, regular ciphers with shields and and their armor and things like that. Uh, so it's kind of like that in between unit. I don't think you build a whole bunch of them, but one big unit or one small unit that kind of be a counter charge unit or a backline or just, you know, fit somewhere else is how I like to play them. Yeah. I mean, I guess it does give you something that can sit on a scenario point, an additional thing in your army and still have a range thing to do. I don't know. I tend to be like, when I look at this unit, 
I'm like, oh, it can shoot. And then I'm like, oh, but like you said, Tyler, Cypher shoot a little better. Oh, but at least this one can also fight. And then it's like, I want the three dice AP1 glaive that Kalishi have. So I don't know. It, it is definitely, I think, a unit that I'm unsure. I'm unsure. I just, I guess I just haven't had the uh, played it enough to know, but it is definitely that sort of in the middle unit, which sometimes can be really great, but sometimes you just take whatever's it's in the middle of, you want to take either or of those things, right? To be more specialized. Yeah, definitely. Oh, and something real quick about, you know, while we're talking about Cypher Wardens and Cyphers, another super cool thing about Cyphers is that they have a two plus nerve stat. Um, that is pretty much uniquely Asterian. Even the most hardened trained, you know, badasses of the badasses in this universe still have like nerves of three up. And these guys have nerves of, of two up. So like if you do get to that 50% on your squad and you're in that broken territory, it's a one in eight chance that your guys are going to just run off the board. Whereas, you know, with a whole bunch of other units and a whole bunch of other factions, uh, you know, it, it's like a 50% chance if you're out inspiring and that kind of thing. So, yeah. And with this, with inspiring, if you're inspired with a two plus nerve, like you really messed up if you if you end up breaking. So that is another cool point towards the uh, the robots here. And you mentioned them, the Kalishi. So the Kalishi uh, speed seven fourteen. They shoot on fives, assault on threes. They have the energy bow and their glaive, which is as you said, all assault D three AP one. I know you have some of these painted, Tyler. In, in the games I've tried to use them, they just, I can't quite get them anywhere before they're dead. How do you, do you, how do you usually make these guys effective when you run them? Well, transports are your friend. For these okay. Guys. So you got to make sure you're putting them in a transport. You think? I, I think so. And then otherwise it's just careful positioning and just, that's always the struggle in, in firefight is trying to get your combat guys into combat. Because once they do, they'll absolutely shred anything, which is awesome. But yeah, it is definitely a balancing act because your opponent, if they have a brain on them, is definitely going to try to focus them because they're really scary. Next, I mean, three three dice on threes with AP one that is terrifying. You know, that's a lot of uh, a lot of dice. Yeah, that'll rip anything to shreds, basically. So yeah, it's it's important that you focus them if you're going against Kalishi and. You know, that's just the nature of the beast. When you have a cool stat line like that, and they're they're like that in Dead Zone too. They're that's exactly how they are in Dead Zone. Like, you know, they're fast, they're scary, and then you gotta handle them before they get to you, basically. And that seems kind of like the vibe so far as you're trying to pick up the vibe. What is the vibe of the Asterians as you as we're working our way through the troop slot? It's that you have even in your most basic troop, you have some things that can, you know things that are really good at what they do either assaulting on threes, shooting on threes, access to good technology, good weapons, good nerve. Would you guys say that that's a takeaway from this sort of troop section is that you have some really great, just basic troop options in this list? Yeah, most certainly. I, I do like that they have the marionettes because if it was only, if it was without, without marionettes, you'd feel like, Oh man, I got to go either all shooty or all punchy. And like, there's, there's no in between, but like there's a nice little buffer zone with the marionettes of being cheap. And I, I think it's really cool. Cause you have like the highly specialized shooters, highly specialized slicers. And then you have kind of the, the mid dudes. It's okay. that They're mid. They're happy to be mid. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, let's take a look at specialists. So again, I'm just going to read through the specialists and then we'll start picking, picking out what we like. So you have the, the Matsudan combat team, 
You have the Marionette Phantom, Matsudan Support Team, Black Talons, Sky Razors, Weapon Platform, and Weapon Platforms. So, Kyle, let's start with you. When you're looking at Asterian specialists, is there something that that you just always are like, ah, it's going in my list? Or what, what do you think is the decisions that you're making when you're list building in the specialist category? Well, for me, it's the Black Talents. I think yeah. the mobility they provide and the shooting they provide is something that is fantastic for the list. And it's just that, that cool, oh, you thought the Cyphers were elite. The, here's the Black Talents. Like, these are the elite super robot dudes. And it's just one that unit makes my list every time, at least one of those. And ba- black talents are speed 612. They shoot on threes, assault on fours, armor uh, six up, one hit point, two plus nerve. They uh, have advanced training, aerial deployment, anti gab, construct, controlled fire, evade, shield force, stealthy. You know, all the toys really that uh, advanced training, aerial deployment are the ones that stick out to me. And then they have a little bit better version of a no rifle. It's uh, range 18, one dice, AP1, but they're vicious when they shoot. Uh, wh- what are your thoughts? I love these guys too, uh, Kyle. What are your thoughts, Tyler, on Black Talons? Oh, I mean, they're they're the GOAT. <laughs> they're so good. They're like the coolest unit in the in the whole book for, for Asterians. It does everything that the Cyphers do except also just cooler because they're stealthy and they have AP one vicious, like enough said not to mention you can like aerial drop them, which is just such a powerful thing. So good for objective play, super good for just keeping your opponent at bay. You know, you can't just run around and, and do whatever the heck you want because you never know when a black talent might show up right behind you and just blast you to pieces. So mm-hmm. um, there's, there's a lot to love about the black talents. It's, it's hard to, hard to not like them i i guess their only downside compared to like a cypher is that they're well they're a specialist but also they have no access to um special weapons but when you're at ep1 vicious and like possible boosting like it's hard to hard to yeah i mean i almost think they don't really need a special weapon with the 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 faction order boosting plus the black talent prime being able to give them an order to shoot again it's it's almost as if they don't need the special weapons, right? Because they're so effective with their regular trademark rifle fire. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is one of those um, units. We, we've talked about it in Kings of War, where it's like a, a Halo unit, where to me, there's two Halo units in Asterians for me, for Jeremy, of why do I want to play this army? One is Black Talons, and the other is the Spectra. These are just so cool units. One, I love the model. The other, I love the unit. And I would love the models if they do have some black talent sort of spread out, right? And I guess there's one in a dead zone kit. or But this is what we need. We need a hard plastic kit that can make ciphers and black talents. So I if you're listening, man, agree too. with that. Yeah, 100% <laughs> true. I think um, you could even make a kit that does the marionettes, the ciphers, and the black talents in one. Yeah, that would be just give them little add-on pieces for the different yeah, versions, like different backpacks, <laughs> different heads, different guns could make all three. Yeah, and then you have a, a set that can make you th- the the basically the core of almost any Asterian army you can have in one one kit. Yeah, just such a great unit. You'll you're going to be seeing them in my list later when we talk list. But yeah, this is just one of those units that's just so much so fun that it could be if a, a reason to play the whole army. I think is this is is the Black Talons. 
Speaking of which, I think the other side of that coin is the Matsudon. Uh, while I don't think that they're the absolute greatest, I don't think they're like as solid as as Black Talons in terms of like efficiency. I do think they're a quality unit, uh, both the shooting variant and the combat variant. And I might just be biased because I absolutely love the Matsudon and I have way too many of them. And firefights give me a reason to actually put them all on the same field, which is, you know, that's pretty yeah. cool. Um, but I do think they're a quality combat unit that does something different than the Kalishi. So while the Kalishi are, you know, you they're kind of your glass hammer. You know, they they hit really hard, but they also aren't super durable. These guys are going to be armor six. They have resilient one. Um, they have two HP apiece, which is really cool because they're big, chunky, fat sumo lizard guys. And uh, I think me models are just... Okay? Yeah, exactly. You me sumo lizards. <laughs> yeah, samurai sumo lizard, and you're in. And I think one of the coolest changes to... Um, you know, this version versus uh, the, the previous uh, iteration of the, of the rules is that now you can add multiple Inashi into your list. So you can have multiple guys with the twin light blades, A, because the model's even cooler than the other ones, and B, because they have four dice with Vicious and AP2 when they're in Assault. So I think you can build a really nasty, really cool, fairly durable, especially for Asterians, uh, like, unit. Um, and that's just the combat team. And then you got the the support team, which can take a whole bunch of different kind of guns. Um, this one's a little bit more of a fluff choice just because there's so many great shooters in the Asterian list. Um, but yeah, I think the, the Matsudan combat team does deserve a little bit of praise here. Yeah, I mean, like you said, uh, 612 assaults on fives, but has that extra armor, the extra hit point. And you have multiple guys in that unit with the light blades. I mean that four dice AP two vicious that adds up real quick, and and they can take they can hit and then take a punch and then maybe punch a second time before they die. I do think that's one one part that is kind of underrepresented or just not given as much effort as I think it should is the um, the support team with just the basic uh, what is it the iron bar- iron barrage that's a lot of shots. And for a relatively cheap price, it's pretty durable. A unit of them jumping out of a transport and just laying down a bunch of shots is something without needing command dice to upgrade them or like that. It's two dice, AP1 and pinning. Uh, if you're feeling in your list, like I'm not, uh, you're lacking the amount of shots needed against some armies, like Plague can bring a bunch of zombies and Veermen and things like that. I think these guys are a good spot to look to to up, increase your dice. And actually, now that. that you mention it, it is one of the easiest accesses to pinning. Um, there's actually not a whole ton of pinning weapons in the Asterians. They're not like yeah. GCPS where they can just, you know, you get a pin marker and you get a pin <laughs> marker and you get a pin marker. Uh, you got to be a little bit more selective with the Asterians. And yeah, that's a good shout. And, and you know, again, I'm super biased. I have like multiple squads worth of both of these. <laughs> At some yeah. point, I'm going to have to do a Matsudan just absolute, you know, a theme, a theme army. Theme army. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to put that on the channel at some point. Now, in your support teams, do you ever run the Yokozuna to get the Ion Cannon to to add in the anti-tank? Or do you think we have enough anti-tank from other sources in the list? Are you just going bare bones with the support team? Or how how are you guys running that when you do run it? I think the Ion Barrage is probably better. uh, Because if you wanted to get the anti-tank, I think something like weapons platforms... Uh, can kind of do that anti-tank roll, except far better and 
Um, I mean, I guess they're a little bit more expensive, but once you start adding in multiple um, Matsudon, it, it actually isn't that much more expensive. So, yeah, I, I would lean towards probably the pinning thing and, and okay. stay yeah. a little bit farther away from the Ion Cannon, but I don't think it's untakeable or anything. I mean, range 24 is nice, AP2, that's fine. What do we think about Sky Razors? Sky Razors is our sort of uh, jet, jet bike equivalent, I guess you'd say. Uh, a faster unit has a twin no rifles i don't they strike me as a little expensive um i'm not sure what do you guys think about the sky razors my biggest yeah. issue with them is that they're hard to actually get like the models are hard to get i actually don't yeah. love the way the models look anyways they look kind of like cheesy scooters in my opinion it, it's like the only asterian model i don't own <laughs> so i've actually never used sky razors if i'm completely honest but i think compared to like enforcer jet bikes they're a little bit lacking i I think they're not as cool and it kind of shows yeah they lack a shield uh they have more hit points it's it's that if you don't want to use a transport for mobility this is your mobility option for capturing objectives they are unit strength too but you have to use them differently they're more like a marionette as far as their resilience um and they have three dice uh shooting on fours so it's not the worst thing in the world, but it's a it's a much more specialized unit than other bike units are, and you're paying the points for it, I think. Yeah, and th- there's so much other really awesome stuff in the specialist slot. Like, I'm running out of choices before I even think about Sky Razors, basically. Yeah, and I, you know, just to throw another shout out there, I, I do like the Marionette Phantom, and the model's super cool. So this is actually originally a uh, Overdrive character, Um so Overdrive is like the Dreadball spinoff, and they had a cool marionette uh, guy, but then you could also switch out his arms to have guns, and you could use him in Dead Zone. And he's pretty cool in Dead Zone. I think he's really solid in Firefight, because he's like a souped-up marionette, and like he's got a pretty beefy stat line. Like He's got the, the move of 612 like everybody else. He shoots on a 5, which is, yeah, it's fine. Um, he assaults on a four, which is interesting because he has three dice at AP one with vicious when he's fighting stuff. And then here's where his real bread and butter comes in is that he's armor seven and HP four. So you get one of these guys or two, maybe three. And now by the way, they're in the Mantic vault. So you can just print them off. They're in one of the months. I don't remember which one, but if you see a big, tall looking Asterian thing, that's what this is. But yeah, uh, and they're, they basically have the same damage output, uh, as a black talent, except they shoot less good, but they're just really durable with the armor seven and HP four. Like you got to dedicate some real stuff to take care of them. And they're an interesting kind of chunky robot variant, which is kind of cool for this list. Yeah. I had made some, you're talking about your Matsudan theme lift. I, I theme list. I had some themed like Walker construct lists, you know, where you have, spectras and support you have phantoms in your specialist slot you know and it's the you're bringing just all the big beefy robots yeah it's it's like the the russian egg style of yeah. <laughs> constructs you got like the big the big one and then you like shrink down to the next smaller size and the smaller size exactly um, and that is a cool model if you haven't seen the model for the phantom it is pretty cool but was expensive and hard to get before but now that you can print it off it's a definitely a, a good choice um, now I know in watching a uh, dread path zone on YouTube, one of the best firefight YouTube channels on all of YouTube. Uh, uh, I, I think we can say it is the best. 
I it think is fast. Yeah, we can. We can. <laughs> yeah. I know that you have a lot of competition out there. So, yeah. Well, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, there really isn't a lot of. I mean, there's some. There was there there was some firefight. Yeah, creaky gamers content. used to do some stuff. Hopefully, they'll get back into it. Yeah, like right when second right when second edition came out, there was some people playing the game. Um, you know, it would be awesome if more people. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to be the only one, but man. <laughs> Anyways, where are we going with that? Oh, I, I, I was just going to say, I know you've run weapon platforms before with your Asterians. There's just something about weapon platforms. I don't know. I've never loved just having something stay stationary. But can you talk us a little bit to what weapon, when you run weapon platforms, what sort of, what are you taking? The fission beamer, the pulse of bombard, the plasma vortex. What's your sort of sweet spot? for the weapon platforms. So to me with the weapon platforms is you kind of want to pick whichever hole isn't already being plugged by something else in the list. So if you are going to take like a chroma that we'll talk about later, if you take something like that, that has like the big super devastating anti-tank gun, you probably don't need to double up and also get the heavy vision beamer. So it, I think all of the options are actually pretty viable. It just depends on which role they need to fill the pulse bombard is interesting it's a really like it's a good anti-infantry harasser it's not gonna you know every once in a while you'll you'll go buku with the the blast but for the most part it's not the craziest like it, it's not the 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 most powerful weapon because of the lack of ap but it is good for fighting off you know some of those cheaper things that you're like man i really don't want to waste my ciphers shooting these stupid whatevers you know, these recruits or something like that. Like this is, that's what the pulse bombards for. So I think that's a pretty fun one. And I think it is important too, to, to remember that the weapons platforms, like they don't need to be stationary and actually they're better off when they don't play stationary because a lot of their stuff is going to be kind of a hit and run sort of vibe to them. So. And that's probably like thinking about how those have worked in completely other game systems, right? Not how a weapons platform works in this game, but thinking to myself, I have this this internal bias against weapon platforms. When in, in firefight, they are done, you know, play in completely different ways. But I do like that idea. It's kind of like what you're talking about, like whatever flavor of sprinkle you need to your army to complete the Sunday, the weapon platform can do that. It has a a, a viable uh, choice to to sort of fit that gap of whatever you think you're missing. Yeah, and I, th I think it's an interesting choice because it's relatively cheap for the weapon output you get, and I think that's kind of where it shines, is, is the fact that, you know, if you're going to take a big, super heavy, awesome tank, it's going to be big and super heavy, but it's also going to be expensive, whereas this is kind of like the budget version where you don't have the same durability of, as, as a big tank or the movement of a big tank, but you do still kind of get like a, a shrunk down gun version of it, so... I, I do think there's a place for weapon platforms. I don't think that there's necessarily a, oh my God, you have to take this one kind of thing, you know? Uh, any thoughts for you, Kyle, on weapon platforms? I have the same kind of bias as you do, Jeremy. If I don't yeah. like, <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh, it's funny. I, I use a lot of war machines in my dwarf list for Kings of War. So it's almost <laughs> back and forth. I like the idea of the drones being attached to armies, uh, to units and stuff like that, but just by themselves... I was thinking just cooler to take a tank, tank a, a unit that has special weapon, things like that is usually what I prefer to do. I don't think there's anything wrong with the unit. It's just uh, an aesthetic choice to me because I'm weird and I like models and I play with little miniature men and aesthetics important. 
to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just so I have, there's no logical reason for me not to like weapon platforms. I just don't like them. I don't want them in my army. I don't know what it is. It's just, it's, it, I, I, it's just, I, I can't explain it. I don't know. But That's it's just fair not, enough. <laughs> not, not for me. Well, that kind of covers the, uh, specialist section now let's get into another oh man juicy juicy section of support so in support we have the spectra blade master we have the chroma force platform and then we have the new escort and assassin options it's just some some really good stuff and i think this section of the army list oh yeah absolutely it's like the support section got some extra extra beef to it now with the escort and assassin. So I'm I'm excited to talk about this one. Yeah. Well, I mean, right off the bat, right, it's one of my favorite models and one of the best models I think in the range for Asterians is the Spectra Blade Master. Uh, it is a vehicle walker, shield four, uh, evade, controlled fire, advanced training, shield generator, counter charge, anti grav. Got a bunch of special rules. You can take it in its uh, default loadout, which it comes with a light missile launcher, one dice AP2, range 24, anti-aircraft, blast two with D2 with targeting systems, and a solar blade, six dice AP3, anti-tank, and elite. Or you can take it as the assassin, and essentially you pick up a micro-fission beamer, which is a ranged 18, four dice AP3, anti-tank marksman, and then it just loses its sort of beefier blade and picks up just assault weaponry, which is three dice AP one. I mean, this is a pretty cool choice. What do you, what are your guys? It seems like most people who play Asterians are taking one of the flavors of Spectras. Yeah. If you're playing Asterians and firefight, you're probably going to take two of these in either one of each or two of i don't know the model's just too cool not to take so like almost every hysterian list i feel like has to have this in there because like this is basically like you said one of those halo units like this is why you play hysterian so you can bring specters to the table and i think they're both super awesome versions i love the the side aim pistol kill shot thing that the assassin's got going on and then obviously the blade is awesome too so you can't go wrong with this guy he's just super cool and he can benefit from teleporting, which is a really cool um, little bonus, especially for the Solar Blade version. Oh, yeah. You're you're hiding your Spectra, and then all of a sudden you're like, hello. Like, oh, I'm, I'm way over here on this side <laughs> of the building. Whomp. And then yeah. it's like, ah, great. Now I have a Solar Blade in the back of my Carfi command tank, which is definitely something that happened in the game that I built. <laughs> Shield generator is nice, right? So it has that in inborn on sixes. It's regening shields. Do you like this guy too, Kyle? Yeah, I mean the model is super cool. Uh, the one thing I, I can never decide on is which version do I take. Take the one with the anti tank blade. I take the pistol. It's a, I never seem to be able to agree on which one I like more. It's my biggest problem with it. Yeah, the answer is both. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that always helps. Because there's going to be times where you're you know you need to go toe to toe with something that is going to fight you in assault. But then there's other times where you're like, man, I just need to shoot that thing out of the sky. <laughs> and this guy, Spectre can do it all. So I, I recommend definitely taking at least one in a list, if not two. I mean, they're basically, what, 100 points? 95 for the sword, and then 105 for the uh, yeah. for the assassin. Uh, for like that. That's some pretty solid output and 
awesomeness for a hundred ish points. You're getting a lot of value on this unit. I think it's one of those like uh, mayor of uh, our uh, uh, vice mayor of value town. Because for under 100 points, you're getting something that can move, that can fight, that has shields, has shield generators, that can, you know, has uh, some anti-tank, has some anti-aircraft. If you get the assassin, you get both, you know, or uh, the, you're always going to have the light missile launchers, right? That's good anti-aircraft, but you can either pick up anti-tank in the Blade Master or in the uh, anti-tank elite with the solar blade or anti-tank marksman. So either way, you're getting a piece that can handle most anything you're up against, you know, you're, you have a keyword for it. I tend to run one of each just because it's like the, why not both? This is like the, 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 the epitome of that question is why not both? Because at 95 and 105, you can fit two of these into your list without sacrificing, sacrificing too much. Go, go get a spectra or two. or Yeah. Three. And it's just an awesome model. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, just exactly. a kick-ass model. So why not, why not, you know, Whenever possible, that's like the countercharge way. Whenever possible, pick the thing that's good in the game. But if it's also a kick-ass model, it's just like that's the the dream. I do have a question for you, model-wise, with this unit. Um, so it has the cool shield arm with the big blue, you know, clear semi-clear plastic shield. Have you guys experimented with putting like a gloss varnish on it to make the shield, you know, a bit more? Uh, like not that matte color to it, or as if you guys are listening right now, uh, comment on the page. I was curious if you guys have, if you've done anything different with the shield or to make it look different yeah. or color change or something like that. Besides just obviously painting it, I like the, I like that clear plastic, that clear shield kind of uh, thing like that. You can't you can't really get from painting on the model. So I'm curious people's uh, thoughts are on that. Yeah, I, I haven't done anything special with mine, but it would be... What cool. I want to do, if you look up Cable from MCP, Mar Marvel Crisis Protocol, if you look up that miniature, he has a, a shield, and there's like bullets hitting the shield. I wanted to do one with Microma where I have some like rockets or something hitting the shield, and then I was going to do some like... Um, ripples like white ripples or something to make it look like the shield is like being impacted like there's yeah. energy or something really oh cool. yeah that'd be super yeah. cool so that's what i'm thinking i'm gonna do on my spectra is i'm gonna model like a like a like a pebble hits an ocean there's those ripples i want like the impact to cause ripples in the shield so i think i am going to try to experiment with some cool because i want the spectra to be like one of my centerpieces in my Syrian. So I am, I think you bring up a good idea. It's a, it's a place on the model that you could do some fun stuff with. But enough about the specter. Let's talk about some tanks y'all. Oh yeah. Cause you got them right. Why don't, why don't you take us through the, the Chroma uh, Tyler and what you like about the Chroma? Yeah. So the Chroma force platform, number one piece of advice is don't overestimate its durability. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's got amazing weaponry, but you do need to keep it safe because that shield for an armor six, like armor six, it's not as durable as you think it might be. And I think you learned that very early on, right, Jeremy? Oh, I could, I could sense Kyle go. I can sense Kyle <laughs> going from six to midnight whenever he hears Chroma platform and he's playing me because I'm like, oh, my big tank with shields, I'll move it right out into the open. Dead. Yeah, you can't. This is not like a shove don't, up the field tank. Don't do that, but. That being said, it's got amazing maneuverability. So if you are in a crap situation, you might have to sacrifice a turn of shooting. 
but you can zoom away 18 inches and every time you move you can move 12 so yeah this guy's got a speed of 12 18 which is so great like once you play that and then you play in like another faction like you play dwarves or something you're like wait i'm moving did you say six <laughs> like wait what's going on here so yeah the super maneuverable and then the weaponry on these things is just so good uh, this is another one where I don't really know what the answer is in terms of which one to take because I think they, they're they both really solid. So I think the Super Heavy Plasma Vortex, and by the way, they have like the coolest names. Super Heavy Plasma Vortex just sounds Yeah, great. I know. I dig it. Um, but yeah, it's a range 24, two dice AP3, and you're like, yeah, that's fine. Until you realize it has Blast D4, and it hits on a four up. So you're going to be hitting more often than not. Sometimes you're going to hit both shots and then you get to do blast D four. It's not some weak, you know, D two or D two plus one or something like, no, you have a chance to like really, really spike this at AP three. And it's awesome. So I think the super heavy plasma vortex that it comes with, like for a hundred points, it's hard to beat. Plus I think the model is really cool. It's way bigger than most people think it is. It's a really large tank, like in terms of just actual size. It's a big, chonky thing. And then the other option that you have is the super heavy uh, fission beamer. And this is like your dedicated anti-tank melty goodness. So this is 36-inch range. So this is a bit more of a, a long-range snipe kind of thing. Two dice at AP5 with anti-tank. And now it's got devastating two, which means that every wound that it does it actually does two wounds to that that model so it is going to mess up tanks and that's exactly what it's there for it's like it stares at something that's like an iron ancestor and goes huh what if you uh instead of having your armor of eight it drops down to like threes that'd be cool and then you just zap it and it's pretty great just cuts it right in half like the white laser light you know what i mean and it's just like uh lightsabers in action yeah, so again, I think you're you're posed with the question as to what else goes in your list, and that, that is a nice thing about the Asterian weaponry, is that the stuff that has a job, like, it does its job. So if you have an, uh, enough things that can fill in those roles, then you can do it. I think if you're going to go for just one of them, if you're going to pick something, you're probably better off with the Super Heavy Plasma Vortex on most targets because it's got AP3 unless you know you're going to go against lots of heavy armor or that's like in your meta or whatever you want to say, like, unless you know you're going to be going against those things that have like armor eight, that kind of thing. AP three is usually pretty good. So if I was going to pick one, I'd probably pick the, the, the plasma vortex, but obviously being able to melt stuff with the anti-tank straight up anti-tank weaponry is also valuable. Also it's 20 points cheaper, right? You're not having to pay the upgraded cost for the super heavy fission beamer. So granted, 20 points is not that many points, but it, it is something to consider when you're if you're if you're not sure what like in, in, in when I think about this unit, it, it makes me think of that. If you know you're going to go up something specific, you know, or the meta or whatever, maybe take that. But against the field, against a variety of armies that you may play in a tournament, I like the heavy plasma vortex too myself. Well, this actually leads me into another like nice little segue here is that. If you want the super dedicated anti-tank sniper weapon, look no further than the assassin. So the assassin is a new kid on the block, and this is a like slightly less chunky like chroma force platform. So it's not quite as like uh, 
like big heavy tank. But uh, it's a really interesting unit, I think. So it, it has the same movement. So it's a 12, 18. It shoots on a four, just like the, the Chroma does. It's armor six, just like the Chroma is. But it's got less HP. It doesn't have the same nerve value. So it's a little bit more fragile. However, it does have stealthy. It's got shield generators. It's got shield. It's got four shields. And then where it really comes into its own is the is the, the weaponry. So you have twin no cannons, which are 18-inch, uh, four dice AP1 with pinning, which is solid. Um, with, with you know, hitting on fours, you're going to be reliably pinning a target. But really, your focus is going to be on the railgun. So the railgun is a range 48, two dice AP4 with marksman. It's got anti-tank, and it's devastating D2 plus one. Holy moly. So that is a dedicated anti-tank sniper. That thing looks across the board at 48 inches and goes, you know what? I'm going to shoot that all game long, and I'm going to stay out of your range because I don't want you shooting me. Yeah, that thing is just nasty. And with marksman, it means that shooting on fours is your hit. Your its consistency is going to be pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. And so, like AP four is usually enough to get the job done. But now you're you know in the backfield and not not as you know in in the mix as the as the Chroma Force platform. I don't know. Yeah. So I, I think if you want to go with an anti tank weapon, that's probably your best one in the list because that devastating D two plus one is really filthy. Especially if you're able to hit both of them. Like if you're able to hit and wound of both of them, that is like a dead tank in one shot if you do it right. Would you say it's a devastating shot? <laughs> I would. <laughs> I would say it's a devastating D two plus one shot. <laughs> and like you said, a little a little less uh, BP than the Chroma, but it does have that stealthy to try to help mitigate that a little bit. And that does ring in at 135 points. So it is more expensive, pretty expensive, but it's also, I mean, range 48 is not to be like slept on. I think that's the the most impressive stat there is it's, it's so much distance when you play on a, you know, a four by six table, it's like the whole thing just about. So if you were tempted to want to take that anti-tank tank, you might, and you had the points in lieu of the Chroma with the, the heavy fission, you may just take an assassin. Yeah, I think there's definitely yeah. arguments to be made. An for argument it. for that. Uh huh. Absolutely. What do you think, uh, 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 Kyle? I love the assassin. I mean, it's it's. I think it plays into that sit back and shoot um, part of the list. Great, and it just it gives. They don't. Uh, Assassins don't have a whole lot of anti tank. Usually it's like a upgrade to a unit or you take the Matsudon support team that's mostly, most of the anti-tank is there or in close combat with the um, Spectra. So this is like your, I need to go touch something and give them the bad touch uh, unit. And and even against infantry with his twin no cannons and the railgun, like it's still going to tear up some infantry too, especially anything with multiple wounds or heavy armor or stuff like that. It's, doesn't want to get close. Once the shields are down, it's it's not doing. It's not having a good day. But until then, if you can keep it protected in the back line, hammering stuff, it's just going to make everyone have a bad time. Okay, and then the last thing we have, which is another one of the new units, is we have the escort. Escort's a little bit cheaper than the assassin at 125 points. Its default loadout loadout is twin no cannons, like the assassin range 18 four dice AP one pinning. 
or it comes with a pulse bombard, which is range six to 24 inches, three dice, blast D2 indirect in pinning. Anti grab, controlled fire, evade, shield for targeting systems. Uh, so, no shield generator on this one as compared to the assassin. But you can um, do a couple different weapon loadouts. You can take uh, Escort Plasma Vortex, which is range 18, two dice, AP1, blast D4. Or you can take a heavy Fission Beamer, range 24, two dice. AP4 anti tank devastating D2. So this one does have an extra uh, hit point at four hit points. Shoots on fours, armor six. So this is a little bit more kind of in your face, medium range type. Not not as much sit way back and shoot, right, guys? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, my, it's there to play the midfield. My big yeah. problem with the escort is like it's 125 points why not just take some weapon platforms that have the same weapons on them, except you can take a multiple. Like, to me, I know it's basically just like, do you like weapons platforms, but wish they were slightly more durable and more maneuverable? And then you get the escort. So if the answer to that was yes, then do it. But if you want to stay cheaper, and you want to have more, or or, and and you want to have more, like, damage output, just get actual weapon platforms. Yeah. because yeah and then it's like i don't know i just feel like if you want to get a vehicle that's going to do something like nasty you go with either the chroma or the assassin and then the escort just kind of falls in the middle where it's like i don't know why i don't just take the weapon platforms yeah and it seems interesting that there's the shield generator on the assassin that's the stay back but there isn't one on the escort which wants to play more forward well that's actually it's part of the model if you look at the model on the assassin the top weapon mount it has a little shield generator thing that goes uh, there okay. and for the escort it has the pulse bombard on top got it uh but i mean a, an option but it does feel as opposed to the assassin the weapon platforms or the chroma the escort does sort of feel like it's falling into that role that you know uh there may be better options might be in the middle somewhere when that maybe there's a better better option for that whatever you're wanting to get out of it but was still cool to get a couple new new vehicle choices though with the the new book. Oh, definitely, and I'm I'm definitely hoping to pick up an assassin soon, especially because I already have too many chromas. <laughs> so it's time to time to diversify. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, awesome. Okay, now we got to talk about command. We've talked about all our uh, troops, support, specialist. Now the last group that we're going to talk about, and then we'll take a break and come back with our lists is we're going to talk about our command choices. So we have a, a couple command choices. We have the Cypher Prime, the Matsudan Toshiyori, the Kalishi Deathstrike, the Overseer, and the Black Talon Prime, and then the Narsa. Um, I'll start us off with the Black Talon Prime because, again, this goes with the awesomeness of the Black Talons. I love the Black Talon Prime. You know, your standard, what you would expect, 612 speed, shoots on threes, brings, gets you an orange dice. It's aerial deployment, so it can deploy similar to Black Talons, anti-grav, construct, controlled fire, evade, inspiring, shield four, stealthy, um, has a no pistol, 
a light blade. But I think what, what's really awesome with this is they get a command order called Silent Strike. Silent Strike is really cool. It essentially allows you to be able to give an order where two friendly Black Talon units within 12 inches may immediately make a shoot action. These units are not marked activated unless they already were. So pretty pretty nice order. What do, what do you guys think about the Black Talon Prime? Are you taking him if you're taking Black Talons? Well, that's kind of how all the Asterian commanders work, is that the commander you pick needs to play well with others because they're going to really buff the other units that you take. So if you take Black Talons, you're going to want a Black Talon Prime. If you take Kalishi, you're going to want a Kalishi Deathstrike. You know what I mean? So like yeah. each different kind of commander is going to really benefit the type of dudes that that commander likes to run around with. And Black Talon Prime is uh, the probably the best example of that because getting free shoot actions when you're already an absolute filth animal at shooting <laughs> is filth just animal. awesome. <laughs> like it's it's super boy. super great. You're dirty. That's some Kevin McAllister action. You filthy animal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Take out the Tommy gun. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. All you filthy free. animal. Yeah, get the change. That's what they should yeah. call that command order. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what I think two Asterians, all of their command uh, units, there's no generic command order they have that just affects anything in your army. All of them have, like, it must be something with children or something with this. They all kind of specify. All hyper specialized. Yeah. Yeah, which makes sense for Asterians. I think that's really neat. Um, but yeah, if you're going to take Black Talons, you're going to take a Black Talon Prime because that dude's awesome. Plus, he has an orange command dice, which orange command dice super solid like that's awesome and i think that again goes to that um elevator pitch right if you want a firefight army where your commanders are really hyper specific to the armies in your list and supporting your cool specialized themed units then again asterians might be a cool fact because you're not just going to have right like the you know Legolas the lieutenant, you know, <laughs> you're gonna have all these like specialized commander guys. Was that sort of what you guys are talking about? Yeah, I just can't really imagine running a whole bunch of ciphers and black talons and then being like, and for my commander, I'm gonna pick one Kalishi Deathstrike. Like that yeah. it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense. So yeah, you kind of build your commander to just buff all the units that you took in your army. So you kind of have to pick a, a lane or two and then go with it because you can't you can't do it all. You can't do it all on. Well, I mean, like you said, the Kalish, the Kalishi Death Strike speaks to that well. They Kalishi Death Strike, which is essentially your commander for Kalishi, it picks up an order balance through death, which is an aura where all friendly Kalishi units within 12 inches may add three inches to an advance or sprint move they make this round. So again, making that unit fa- what you want you want it to do to be able to move up the board quicker, which is super nasty because that that takes Kalishi up to 17 inch like. Like they're hoofing it at that point. So maybe you don't need a, a transport if you got that. Yeah. Um, yeah, really interesting unit there. And then, yeah, just all this, all the great things that Kalishi do. That's what this commander does. So that's cool, too. Another one that I really like a lot is the Matsudan Toshiori. Uh, because you get two black dice, which is always nice. But then he's got a really cool aura that only costs one where it gets all Matsudan within 12 inches get resilient one. And they already have resilient one. So that cranks them up to resilient two which i think is resilient two is no joke man that is no joke especially if you're going against an army that's got low dice count like if they're already you know only shooting a few shots 
And then you're like, ah, reroll those two. It's like, oh man. Yeah. So yeah, resilient two is no joke, and that really makes those. Uh, that's kind and of. And I love the name of that order: honor above all things. You know, going with the lizard samurai. I just love it. Yeah, they bring a great honor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're awesome. Uh, and then you've got the overseer. So this is going to be your tip top of tactician. So this guy's going to bring your your green dice, which is obviously valuable because it's got the chance to get three uh, command points out of it. And then it's guaranteed to always get one. So um, this is obviously a great, great selection because you can do that. But then in, in addition to that, you can really crank them up and give them a Shuvatar, uh, which will give an orange dice. So that means for the low price of 100 points, if you just kept them bare bones, you could get an orange dice and a green dice for 80 points, which is just for a hundred points. Sorry. hundred points total, which and is when you take cool. him. Are you, are you getting that? Are you usually taking the Shuvatar drone? I mean, that seems pretty good. I think you might as well. I mean, I guess yeah. it depends on how many other commanders you're bringing. Cause there is, there is a certain point in firefight where like you can have too much command to where you're just like wasting it. And it's not like Asterians need to save command at the end of the round to unpin stuff because most of your stuff is constructs. So they don't, do that oh yeah that's an interesting that's an interesting point you don't really need to worry about keeping dice to unpin things yeah and and especially with the changes to only being able to do one faction or to only you do the faction order once per round you know there's only so much you can do so there is like like a tipping point of like okay now you have too much command you're just wasting it but like for 100 points to get a green and a and an orange like that's that's really nice Plus his his shield boost uh, costs two, and all friendly units within nine inches get the or with the shield uh, keyword increase their shields by one to a maximum of four, which is really cool. So it's like a guaranteed way to get some shields back. Like we were saying, that is one of their fun little gimmicks as Asterians is that they gotta pick and choose when to do the shield stuff, and that's a yeah. Good ma- your shield economy is something you have to think about throughout the game for sure. Yeah, definitely. Any, anything stand out for you, Kyle, in the command slot? I mean, yeah, for me, the, the um, Overseer is uh, like I don't always take. And I give him, I give him the uh, command drone, and I give him the shield drone, and I give him some buddies to hang out, and he just hangs out in the back and a super support man. <laughs> Doing nothing but supporting everyone and generating a ton of command dice. And then from there, I think it's um, what flavor do you want? It yeah. really comes down to what your army composition is. It's it's one of those things where I think you pick your command last, oftentimes with Asterians. Kind of figure out what you're doing with your troops and your specialists and go, okay, I need these guys to support them. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, and then I guess the other commander that we haven't talked about uh, before we get to the tank is the Cypher Prime. So he does all the things that Cyphers do. Uh, he's got uh, no pistol and a light blade, so he's a little bit shorter range than like Cyphers are. But he's got a pretty cool one, too, where you, you spend two and all friendly ciphers, cipher wardens, black talons, and marionette units within 15 inches. So a pretty big bubble. Oh, yeah, there. that's a good amount of room. Yeah, they, they gain regeneration, which is pretty neat. So this is kind of your definitely not Necron inspired, like robots <laughs> rebuilding themselves. They're uh, back. <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh, you, you got them. Well, maybe you didn't. So this one's kind of situational because you know, you got to have some stuff that's already hurting, but man, when, when you're paying, you know, 20 points per model on some of these guys, right? Like if you add 
a black talon to a unit, it's if you add one more guy, it's 30 points. And so even if you regen only one guy, it's like you're already talking value town. Like this guy, like even though it's situational, you can get within 15 inches of a whole bunch of different squads that all have some damage to them and then bring them all back. Like that's that's not insignificant. So he's he's pretty interesting. I think he's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think, Kyle, you brought up an interesting point to where maybe you think about in Asterians, what's the army you want to bring, and then you're going to be slotting in the command that best works for that, as opposed to maybe the Overseer is one that could work with lots of different things, but uh, some of these other ones, like if you have Cyphers, if you have Matsudan, if you have Black Talons, you're going to, you're going to kind of want to take the commander that works with them. Yeah, and then along that line, I think that definitely the overseer plays well with pretty much everybody, but I think the Narsa plays very well with other, uh, with pretty much anything as well. Uh-huh. Um, so the Narsa is a command tank. So this is a kind of a new, this is definitely a new addition to this book um, and new to the Asterian list. So the Narsa drone is actually, it goes back to the OG warpath, like old school. And so this, this tank has been around for a while and it's, it's a really cool idea. So it's, it's just a very like support tank. And what it does is in this case, it is basically the same chassis chassis, whatever you say that as the Chroma force platform, essentially. Um, well, I guess it's more like an escort. So I guess it's more like the escort like base, but it provides you with an orange command dice and a black command dice, which is sweet right there. And then it's very inspiring. So it's because it's already a big old vehicle, it's got a huge bubble of inspiring, which is nice. And then it's got a whole bunch of special rules. It's, you know, all the same goodness from all the tanks that you like. So it's got shield generator and shields and all that stuff. Uh, It's also got disruption, which is an interesting rule. I'd have to double check what it does, actually. Uh, basically, so, uh, if, it, you hit if it does a, a hit, yeah, go yeah. for it. When you hit a unit, uh, it cannot benefit from orders the rest of that round. And if it has an order on it, uh, it loses that order. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, so you get like a little sneak out and poke stuff that in a, in a weird way, it's like, oh, I'm going to use this order to buff my resilience. And you're like, no, you're not. And then you, you disrupt them, which is cool. And then the... Uh, the command order for these guys is going to be all friendly units within 12 inches get the shield or with the shield generator keyword can immediately activate their shield generators as if it's the end phase. So again, this is sort of situational. You got to be around a lot of stuff that's already taken a lot of shield damage, but the potential ceiling for this of like, if you spike with even just a couple of those could be massive because you know, you don't have to wait until the end of the phase and then boom, all of a sudden you you've got a whole bunch of shields back or say you just finished your your previous turn and then now it's time to go and you're like well i kind of rolled like crap on my shield generators you can get another go at it with this it's kind of neat and it's only 110 points so yeah and it's another cool option to paint a tank like if you want to ha- I, I just like the idea of the command tanks i think is a cool to have a tank option as a as a command choice i just like that just as a, a general thing we've seen in a lot of factions, right? Like in the new book, I just think it's cool. Yeah. And, uh, I actually converted mine. My Narsa has been converted from a Chroma 
which is probably why I said Chroma earlier. And I'm really happy. You're just super cool, dude. Yeah, I'm happy with the way that one turned out. So check out the battle report if you haven't, because it's pretty. Oh, okay. Do you have? Do you have? I'm going to be bad and say I I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. So well, if you want to see a Narsa all all ready to go, check it out. Well, I'm going to turn. I'm going to turn the candles on tonight. I'm going to get California King, have a glass of wine, and turn on some Dreadpath Zone. Well, cool. Okay, so that covers all the command. So we're going to take a break. And on the other side, we're going to share a couple of lists with you guys. We'll be right back. Do you take delight in playing with friends and their toys in a safe place free of judgment? Countercharge after dark. It's where magic happens. Check the show notes and Facebook group announcements for the Discord link. And we are back. Okay, so Kyle, Tyler, and I have done some sample lists to kind of have an idea on what to take when doing uh, Asterians. So why don't we start with you, Kyle? So I got the uh, Big Poppy 2,000-point list. Um, And the theme with this one I was thinking was going with a the typical frustrating elf army with a, a large shooting back line with a lot of shield support and then uh, mobile elements to push objectives flank and and, th- and it's multiple different ways of doing that to kind of give you the tools you want um so for command we got three command units uh, an overseer with the uh, shivatar shield drone and three cypher wardens the reason i picked wardens was uh they're a bit cheaper and it's I, I see the overseer like he shouldn't be involved in much things combat wise, but if he does, it's kind of a cleanup unit. So I prefer the extra dice and a little bit better assault capability that the wardens give. And he has small unit three, uh, but with the two drones, he's already at that cap. And I don't want to leave him. All of a sudden, he gets hit by something with a lot of shots and he's dead. So those ciphers are there to absorb wounds. You lose the benefit of small unit, but if you're going to go in, go in hard, right? <laughs> Uh, Black Talon Prime with three Black Talons and then a Narsa. Uh, so the Overseer and the Narsa are kind of kind of sitting in the back lines in the middle of the unit with the rest of these, uh, the shield generator units and just provide a bunch of shields. Uh, for troops, I got uh, two marionette units, uh, basic level of guys with uh, sniper rifles and the uh, stealthy drone. So their plan is to sit and cover buildings and give you a minus two to hit them as they pick off your pesky... Uh, Special weapon troopers. A full unit of Cypher Wardens with Shield Drone uh, to kind of do what we talked about before, play that midfield game, be annoying. Uh, two Cyphers, full-size full squads with Shield Drone and Fission Beamer. Two Kalishis, uh, just five each as my reactionary um, mobile unit. Uh, and then I have a Mastodon support team. Uh, with four of them, all with iron bar- uh, ion barrage to pump out that damage and give pinning. Then I got uh, two black talons, uh, both with shield drone and five total guys. A spectra blade master with the solar blade, and then two assassins to round it off to pick everything off from range. So, like, kind of the mobile element of the army is the spectra blade master, the black talons, and the kalishi, along with the um, cipher wardens, or are my mobile elements I can use. And what I like too about the black talons is 
with that aerial deployment, they don't necessarily have to aerial deploy. It does give them scout. So if you don't need that backline threat, you can just have them scout forward and get objectives early. Uh, and with stealthy and all other things they have, it's a pretty effective uh, unit for them. And this is a public list. If you look up Countercharge 2K Asterian's Army, you can run it today. Awesome. Nice. I, I, I really like that. It seems pretty balanced. It's got a nice, nice grouping of, of different things that are all going to be pretty scary. Especially, I think the the full maxed out cypher squads are really scary <laughs> the fission beamers and then all the dudes like that is that is some serious firepower that's that's the plan <laughs> nice nice yeah very cool i like it a, a, a nice balanced list um has all the cool some great model choices in that list too right of what what are some of the you know the awesome models you want to take and paint so i dig it did someone say awesome models? I'll, I'll do my ridiculous, uh, silly annihilation list, and then okay. I'll well, I'm glad we're gonna we're, we're gonna save the worst for last. So I will go last. So <laughs> Tyler, you can go. Uh, yeah. So this is the annihilation force that I brought for the um, battle report that I did. Annihilation is basically just guidelines to have just a ridiculously fun little like Mario Party style firefight experience. It's super great. Basically, you just bring out a whole bunch of tanks. If you got them, you bring them, and then you just shoot the crap out of each other. Because, you know, when you play a 1,500-point game and you lose your big tank, you're like, oh, man, dang, there goes my big tank. Like, oh, in, in Annihilation, you lose a big tank, you're like, ah, all right, whatever, I got three more. And then you just, like, shove it up. So uh, this is basically all of my big stuff for Asterians. That's basically how I made this list. Um, and so it's basically no infantry, and it's all tanks. Uh, for the few infantry that I do have, I did bring a Black Talon Prime with two Black Talons and a Shield Drone, as you do. Uh, he's backed with two Black Talons, uh, both with uh, a total of five in the squad. So you got the leader and then four dudes, both with Shield Drones, because that's something you don't want to have just die. Uh, I brought a Narsa, uh, because you're not going to, not take a command tank and a command tanky. This is like the, his time to shine. So yeah, Nars is going down. And then I took one of each uh, of the weapon platforms. So I've got the pulse bombards in one. I've got the heavy fission beamers in another, and then the plasma vortex. And then, as you do, I took three uh, spectras because that's just awesome. I did one with the solar blade and two with the guns. Uh, especially because I knew I'd be playing Annihilation. I wanted to have the anti-tank and the marksman. I think that's that's pretty solid because I didn't know how, how easy it would be to get the sword guy up. And so, yeah. So three three Spectras. And then I've got three Chroma Force platforms. Uh, two of them have the heavy fission beamer, again, because I knew I'd be going against anti-tank, uh, lots of other tanks because it's Annihilation. And then uh, one with the super heavy plasma vortex. And that rounds out the whole list. So it's just a whole bunch of shots, a whole bunch of anti-tank weaponry, and then a whole bunch of tanks. Um, like I said, super fun. Check out the battle report. It's a great time. Um, one of the cool things about playing this, though, is I got to play all the stuff at the same time, and I got to see the effectiveness of different things. Like, there was no scenario where I'd ever want to bring all three different kinds of weapon platforms. But now I have a pretty good idea of like how they perform on the table. And then same for like the Chroma Force platforms. You get to pick which weapon does what and like 
actually getting to play it on the table and seeing what targets it's good against and what targets it's not so good against was really fun. So that that's kind of one of the the neat things about the Annihilation. Um, like I said, it's kind of like a mini game, but it does transfer over to like the main game because you get so much more extra data from like checking out all the options at the same time. Nice. Yeah. A bunch of wild, it's like the, the, just a wild, wild west action. Very cool. Yeah. If you got it, bring it. <laughs> yeah. If you got it, bring it. You want to, you want to have all that in your army, bring it. That's what's fun about Annihilation too. It's kind of like the, it's the bring your stuff you have kind of uh rule set. Right. And you had a lot of cool stuff, Tyler. <laughs> it was fun seeing a lot of things on the on the uh, battle report. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, I don't mean it to be a flex, but when I have it all on the table, it's like, man, it's kind of a flex, isn't it? <laughs> like I got all these tags. Yeah. Look, and they're all painted. That's but yeah, awesome. I, I did. I, I guess I should have said that in the hobby update because it's been a while since we did a firefight episode. But I was painting Asterian tanks like mad. Like I painted a whole bunch of them basically for this battle report. Cool. All right, Jeremy, okay. tell us uh, what a, a realistic <laughs> list looks like. No, this is, this is I, I call this list the puppet show. Uh, and I, so 1,500 points. At its core, you have one, two, three, four, five. What's better than five? Six units of five marionettes with a sniper rifle. Uh, two Black Talon Primes. And then I'm taking three squads of Black Talons, all with shield drones. A Spectra Blade Master with the Solar Blade and two Chroma Platforms with the Super Heavy Fission Beamers. So basically a bunch of marionette squads to be running around, scoring objectives, shooting sniper rifles at, at, at the, um, you know, the anti-tank stuff or the stuff I want to get rid of. Two Chromas with the big Papa Guns. And then Black Talons with Black Talon leaders to just drop behind your lines and take advantage of the uh, the no. This is really a big no, you know, no weaponry trademark type list, but just smaller units of black of the uh, the marionettes just to get as many sniper rifles as I can. And it's a lot of different units, right? So it's a lot of drops you can move around and just be kind of annoying. So yeah, who knows? If it seems really solid to me. I mean, anytime you get six snipers on the same on the same board, it gets pretty scary. Sixty four shot dice, which is not a small amount, so it's a lot of shots. And just being able to drop into Black Talon Primes with three units of Black Talons, that's that's uh, going to be a scary shooting phase. Oh yeah, those free shoot actions really add up. Like even. I mean, it's just absolutely brutal. Yeah. And then I have the chromas with the you. big fission beamers just because I don't have anything else in the list with that. You know, it's all just You're no fitting. weaponry. Yeah, it's just all no weaponry minus the sniper rifle. So then I'm like, okay, well then on the chromas, I'm going to take the big gun. And then on the blade master, I'll take the, the solar blade anti-tank one so he can kind of run up and maybe chop some tanks in half. But Can I recommend a uh, title for this? Our different... Uh, sure. Uh, uh, no means no. No means no. Okay. <laughs> no means Put no. the NOH no wherever you want. Yeah, Maybe uh-huh. both of them NOH no. You know, yeah. but just. Uh... <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I a just lot. love the. I just love. I love the concept of the marionette. I just love evil, maniacal, like uh, demon puppets. So uh, yeah. I like and, the idea. And elves are of... definitely evil and maniacal yeah. and just uh, demon people. Exactly. So. 
So I think it's just kind of creepy, an army of constructs that just keep walking towards you and never stop, you know? Yeah. And they snipe creepy. you. And they, and they snipe you the whole way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it means when you're choosing to shoot at something, it's a lot of targets where it's just like, I have all these uh, marionette squads. Okay, shoot at one, kill it. I don't care. Shoot at it, kill it. I don't care. All my good stuff is being is being aerial deployed. So I don't really care that you're shooting at me. I have a lot of a lot of stuff to to lose before I actually get into combat. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. So that's the idea of, of the no means no puppet show. Hey, that rhymes. It's the no means no puppet show. Oh, there you <laughs> go. There you go. There yeah. It is. Uh, yeah, the no the no means no puppet show. Is Presented gonna, uh, by Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, and that's, kids, and that's why you, that's why we're a good team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When your uncle comes over for Christmas, this is how we say no means no to him. <laughs> we we drop wave after wave of construct on his head. <laughs> <laughs> show me on the puppet where the bad man touched you. So, um, well, I think some interesting stuff i think you can build asterians in a lot of different ways it still is a really cool faction and it just suffers from the firefight of that i want to make an army of everything so but very cool faction or you can see me as a cautionary tale and you know just do it anyways yeah yeah <laughs> just do it yeah i <laughs> just do it and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm all the players insert so, yeah. uh what is that um that guy shia yeah shia labeouf meme just oh, yeah. do it well, awesome, fellas. Any any final thoughts on Asterians before we wrap up the show? I got thoughts about Firefight. Just talking about it makes me want to go play more. So yeah, I know. I'm so I'm good. all hyped up to play. I, uh, I'm definitely going to try to draft up a, an Asterian list that's really Mastodon heavy. I maybe some Kalishi in there too. Just make like a combat list. I think that could be super fun. But uh, yeah, this this conversation got my my brain working all all types of nasty elf got the blood well I'm, I'm tempted now that i have uh that i'm learning how to use my airbrush i may as a project do a completely airbrushed firefight army and just say hey i'm gonna do asterians and i'm just gonna use my airbrush and maybe a little a little brush painting and see like how fast can i pump it out so i i know I, i'm all all about the airbrush but i really am it is an amazing just having used it for a couple weeks i really see uh Maybe I'll get one uh, a few more armies finished before I die. So, which is good. Actually, well, the it's a really good. For... Go ahead, Doug. Well, I was gonna say, uh, Asterians are a pretty good candidate for airbrushing. I feel like because there's, it's not like you have to stop to paint flesh or straps or yeah. like any of that like kind of brushwork kind of things. Like it's all big, broad surfaces for the most part. So I feel like, and and for me, like Asterians were my my contrast paint army. That was like the first time I've really, yeah. really ever used contrast paint. And I was like, well, Asterian seemed like a good candidate for this. And so I just went wild with it. So I, I could totally see the airbrush being a, a clutch player in your Asterian yeah. journey. Yeah, that's the plan for my Asterian army, too, is I got the, a like tan uh, metallic uh, color, like slightly color shift paint from Turbo Dork. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, that I was I was going to use for uh, Drop Zone Commander for PHR, but uh uh-huh. Nobody plays that game. <laughs> I've yet uh-huh. to meet anybody who has an army or like that. So it kind of just went the back shelf and I had this pain I'm not using it. And I was like, actually, this is Syrians, the same thing. You know, the constructs and give a nice, cool, you know, color shift kind of paint to them. And yeah, then pick out a little cool. bit of details and it'll look really sick. And I think the color shift also could play into the whole shield mechanic too. 
yeah of like the yeah. the light ripple or whatever from like the the haze of the shields or how it, it, i think that would look look really cool on that faction yeah and maybe like modeling wise asterians could you could do a lot of things right as far as they could be uh and that's one cool thing about sci-fi is there's all these different planets so you can really put an army in firefight on sort of whatever type of terrain you want them to be right because they can be fighting on a lava world. They could be fighting on a snow world. They could be fighting on the, you know, you're not locked into any particular type of terrain or basing, basing, I should say. Yeah, as long as they're fighting, we're all happy. So go get some games of Firefight in. Yes, love please. Fighting okay. love. Yeah. If you love Firefight, continue to support it. Continue to, if you can, order your models through your local game store. Try to get those games in. It is, I think, definitely a game system that the more the community supports it, the more energy we'll see maybe from Mantic into adding stuff. So if you like Firefight, get out there, post on a Firefight Fanatics, post on our Countercharge Facebook page. You know, and, hopefully, and hopefully we'll... we can all band together and eventually get Mantic to make a Black Talon Cypher Sprue. Oh, please, <laughs> Santa Baby, uh, Santa Baby, Jesus Ronnie sitting in a major. Watching, uh, <laughs> watching uh, Baby Einstein learning about shapes and colors. You know, please bring us a Black Talon Cipher marionette box. Oh man, that'd be the best. Because because the marionette hard plastic is already super good. Like it, it's already really nice. It's just those ciphers. Like I just wish they were in hard plastic. You could do yeah, and cool and we options. just need the the Black Talon being that it is a Halo unit. We need a cool Black Talon. We we just we gotta have it. Uh, or you know, release it, make one, and release it on the vault. You know, maybe if you if you can't release, uh, the finance finances aren't there to do a new kit. Maybe give a couple of options for the vault, which could also be a way to get us get models. True. Um, yeah. Even though I forgot the marionette is a plastic sprue already. Yeah. So we just need a plastic yeah. sprue for the ciphers and black talons. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. And then done. And then all the Assyrians will be happy. We, re- we retire as firefight uh, community champions. We'll get yeah. you that box. And, uh, <laughs> our work we did it, boys. We did it. Yeah, we did it. <laughs> you're welcome. Clean. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> well, stay tuned. We're going to get this episode out to you real quick, and then we'll probably move on and do uh, another faction review. So maybe we'll put a poll up, see what people want to see, what people want to listen to. And then also I'm curious as we get into 2024, I'm thinking we should continue to have discussions around how to grow the U.S. tournament scene for Firefight and think about, you know, uh, what points do we like? Should we start developing our own scoring system? You, you know, I, th- I think it's it would be worth it. Maybe we hold like a symposium episode on what to think about if you want to run, run a Firefight event, like take someone through all the steps on how to run a tournament. That could be really uh, a, a fun episode and do as we try to get more more uh not that we can't play firefight on our kitchen tables and have fun but it would be cool to have uh, events to go to and play firefight at so yeah well thanks fellas uh and remember until next time keep counter charging thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on counter charge please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com on twitter at countercharge15 or by commenting on the countercharge kings of war podcast facebook group 
If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. 